you are listening to a podcast from The National. U.S. President Donald Trump's second United Nations General Assembly was quite unprecedented. It started off when he showed up late to his speech at the general debate. Many cast it off as a one-off, a mistake or complication due to the heavy rain that day. But when he also turned up 20 minutes late to the United Nations Security Council briefing, the first he ever chaired, many began to think otherwise. On the Palestinian-Israeli peace plan, he seemed to turn back on Jared Kushner's initial proposal, suggesting a two-state solution, only to reverse that again in a press conference later that day. He also described his correspondence with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un as beautiful. And then, during his Security Council briefing on the non-proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, he claimed that China was interfering in the U.S. midterm elections against him. However, during all of that, the U.S. president was crystal clear on Iran, and he was dead set on making the world know it. His speeches contained strong language on Tehran, saying that its leaders were adamant on destabilizing the Arab world. Iran's leaders sow chaos, death, and destruction. They do not respect their neighbors or borders or the sovereign rights of nations. Instead, Iran's leaders plunder the nation's resources to enrich themselves and to spread mayhem across the Middle East and far beyond. On this special episode of Beyond the Headlines, I am joined by Damien McElroy and Joyce Karam in New York. Along with our editor-in-chief, Mina al Uraibi, they form part of the Nationals team covering the General Assembly. Damien is the Nationals bureau chief in London, and Joyce is our Washington correspondent. I am your host, Nasr al-Wesmi, and this is the conversation we had earlier. Last year, U.S. President Donald Trump attacked North Korea. This year, it's all about Iran. During his second speech at the opening of the General Assembly on Tuesday, he spoke about the, quote, tremendous burden Iran's neighbors have carried. Damien, let's start off with you. What did he mean by that? Well, Iran has a very aggressive foreign policy in the region. It's been interfering with um, Uh, revolutions and uprisings and civil wars uh, right throughout the region. It's basically trying to export its revolution. And Donald Trump uh, sees that as something that has to be reversed. So he's talking about a campaign of pressure, of economic pressure on Iran, so that it curtails his activities. In an ideal world to him, Iran would feel this pressure, would decide that it needed to adopt a more moderate stance and it would begin working with its neighbours and with America to build confidence. However, the Iranians seem pretty defiant. They seem pretty happy to resist the Americans and and reject any attempts by Trump to get them to talk, like North Korea has started talking to him uh, in reference to what happened last year. Um, So we seem to be at a stalemate where Um, The stability of lots of countries like Iraq, uh, Yemen, Syria is in in jeopardy because of the Iranian policies. And on Wednesday, during the first time Mr. Trump chaired a UN Security Council briefing, 
aimed at the non-proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. He called out Iran and Russia, saying that the Syrian regime's butchery is enabled by both those countries. He then turned around to thank Iran and Russia for not advancing on Idlib. Again, mixed messages. Joyce, what do you make of this? Um, no, Nasser, um, this was extremely surprising hearing it uh, from uh, from Trump himself uh, I think uh, he's trying again to play both uh, both sides he doesn't want to intervene uh, militarily in Syria and he is actually appreciative of the Idlib uh, uh, agreement that Turkey and Russia uh, uh, you know signed uh, at the same time uh, Iran was not part of uh, this agreement so him thinking Iran is is uh, particularly odd uh, but again it's uh, it's trump uh, and in in syria in general i think the u.s administration has has had one red line and it's the use of chemical weapons and as long as that not that's not used they're they're fine you know waiting uh, holding on for another five years with this uh, status quo but they're very content with the Idlib uh, agreement so far. Trump was late to both his talks, both the one at the General Assembly and the Security Council briefing. Uh, Do you think it was intentional? I just wanted to get uh, a little bit from both of you on whether this was the administration's snub at the UN. Uh, I don't think it was uh, a snub or uh, we don't have data to, to, you know, verify it was uh, intentional. Uh, Trump, you know, the, the personality, Trump, the, 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 the magnitude of issues that the administration is dealing with uh, it makes me think it's just not a surprise he's, he's, he's late. Just this week he has his Supreme Court uh, nomination uh, held up, uh, he's uh, picked a fight with the uh, deputy uh attorney general of the united states that uh, uh he will see on thursday so th- the magnitude of issues and uh troubles that are uh, you know surrounding the administration makes me think he was busy trying to sort out some stuff and that delayed him from getting to the uh united nations yeah i think he um obviously you know, government is a well-oiled machine and it's there to get uh, people like Trump um, into the room. So it would, I think, be to do with how he's organizing his time. And if there are, as Joyce says, a lot of issues around, then clearly these are sidetracking him somewhat. The thing about his week here, and you've got to think about how this has been framed to the people he cares about, which is the American people, he knows they won't know or care about that. He he. He basically wants this as a showcase for what he does. He wants the sound clip on the evening news. You know, Nikki Haley, I think, was the one who said his Security Council uh, session was going to be the most watched ever. It was about television. It was about projecting Trump in the setting. And almost, in a way, keeping people waiting magnifies his kind of power over the room. So there's an element in which he won't have cared um, about all this because he knows he's still the biggest guy in the room and you know you don't have President Xi Jinping here this year you don't have Vladimir Putin here he really is uh, you know top 
guy around and he's um, he's playing it like that and I think to your average American who turns on the TV at some point during the day that's what they're going to see. But he's also more engaged uh, I think in this uh, UNGA it's his second he's more used to it he's uh, he's held uh, a reception uh, with with you know other uh, representatives he's done the UNSC meeting uh, the drug uh, the drug uh, anti-drug meeting uh, he's Pompeo is hosting a North Korea uh, summit and then a meeting with the Gulf uh, states on Friday so there is more uh, diplomatic activity from the US at, at, at this UN General Assembly and from uh, Trump himself, particularly because of what Damien uh, said, there's nobody else. He is stealing the, the headlines. To uh, think more in terms of what he said, Trump delivered some strong language on Iran in regards to the sanctions during his Security Council speech. The first takeaway is him saying that after resuming the sanctions in November, his administration will impose stronger sanctions. The second takeaway was that he said, quote, individuals and entities who fail to comply with the sanctions will face severe consequences. What did he mean by that? Well, America is very determined to shut down Iranian trade. And um, the people around Trump, like um, John Bolton and Pompeo, did a lot of talking about this issue yesterday. And they were basically calling on um, European investors to put pressure on European companies because trading with Iran is morally wrong. So they're really trying to come at this from all angles. They're really trying to say that companies um, have to choose between trading with America, which is a big economy, and trading with Iran, which is a small one, and that's a no-brainer. They're trying to say that, you know, investors should put on pressure through activism in the same way because of Iran's terror activity and their they produced a whole booklet, which is all about um, Iran's record of terror. So this is a really well-prepared campaign, and it's really aimed at getting those companies who haven't yet walked away from the Iranian trade out. Speaking of which, not everyone agreed with the American approach to Iran's nuclear ambitions. What did the Europeans have to say about this game? Um, they are trying to come up with something called a special purpose vehicle, which would supposedly allow uh, trade to continue. There would be a kind of halfway house through which transactions would be processed and paid for. It would be almost like a barter system rather than trying to set up like a, an Iranian PayPal or Iranian SWIFT system, a special thing for Iran. Um, obviously, in the long run, the problem is that the world still goes on a dollar economy and, um, you know, America has the ability to restrict access to dollars. So they're trying to find a measures that will allow things to happen. All the European leaders like Theresa May and Emmanuel Macron have said they're determined to keep Iran in the deal, as, by the way, has um, Hassan Rouhani said that. Uh, the question is, is there going to be any trade to protect? And at this stage, Dozens of companies have left Tehran. There's been a very large drop in its oil exports. So the game is on and it looks good for America at the moment. Speaking of trade, uh, he went after China quite uh, harshly in his speech. Joyce, what are your thoughts in terms of the trade uh, 
war that might be happening between the U.S. and China? Uh, well, we have to remember that his speech is five weeks before the midterm uh, elections in the uh, in the U.S. and trade with China, tough rhetoric on China plays very well for uh, for uh, Donald Trump's base. Uh, so that's one. Now, definitely, he's. Uh, you know, upset uh, at China. He wants uh, a more leveled uh, play field when it comes to uh, to trade and currency. Uh, but it, his his approach, I'm afraid, may backfire on uh, on, on on the U.S. Uh, he's been uh, steadily cutting, for example, funding uh, for the U.N. Well, guess who's benefiting from that? China. I mean, although the, the president of China is not here in New York, uh, since Trump came to office, China's relations with both the UN as, as, as a whole and with the EU has, uh, has improved a lot. And China is putting more effort in, in you know, getting the UN approval and UN support for its uh, uh, Beltway uh, uh project Beltway Road. So so this is the balance I think that Trump is trying to strike. Uh, just sound more tough uh, now, but try to get an agreement later with China. Going to the Gulf, Trump indicated that he's working with the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation Council, Jordan and Egypt to form a regional strategic alliance. Damien, where are we on that? Is it just an idea still or have we made progress? We've seen a big push this week, and I think we're going to see more, as Joyce um, can explain in a little bit. Essentially, you know, there is seen to be need for a common point um, by which security in the Gulf is, um, is arbitrated. And for Trump, he wants to show his allies are working with him, and they also need some means by which, if there is going to be a um, peace initiative with um, Israel and Palestine, they also need to show it's got a wider context, and, and that's very much what they're up to at the moment. But Joyce knows a little bit more. You know, in our interview with uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Gulf Affairs, uh, Tim Lenderking, he really emphasized the counter-Iran push that they're trying to lead between now and January. There are uh, The U.S. has intensified its efforts. Uh, a delegation was just in the Gulf, uh, there are meetings happening at the moment. There is a meeting on Friday uh, with with Gulf representatives and Egypt and Jordan to uh, to just uh, lay the groundwork for the summit they would like to to host in January. Uh, the summit ideally would launch uh, the Massa Alliance, which is Middle East uh, Alliance for uh, Middle East Security Strategic Alliance. Uh, if that works out, that would be one of the biggest uh, accomplishments for U.S. policy in, in the, uh, when we talk about the GCC, not just in building an organization that would economically, security, and politically bring the GCC uh, and Egypt and Jordan together, but also in, in having its... Uh, the U.S. influence and U.S. ties invested in this organization because they will be a member as well. 
So this is where the talk now, where the discussions are headed, uh, and they're hoping that Massa would also help deal with conflicts in Yemen, in Syria, uh, and elsewhere. On the Palestinian cause, Mr. Trump said he would release his plans and that he wants a two-state solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just earlier in September, his senior advisor, Jared Kushner, seemed to suggest something else. Joyce, what are your thoughts on all of this? Well, you know, we were coming here expecting that the U.S. would release its plan. And here we go again, there is no plan yet. I don't think there is a coherent strategy yet from the administration on the Palestinian-Israeli issue. On the one hand, they want to pressure Abbas. On the other hand, they don't want to weaken him so much. Today, uh, Mr. Trump, while meeting with Netanyahu, uh, said he his plan would embrace the two-state solution. But again, it's Trump talking. So is this really going to be the case? Uh, it's a wait-and-see approach so far. Uh, I think that the, the U.S. policy has been uh, not a balanced mediator in the conflict. They've, they've, they've cut uh, you know, aid to the Palestinians. They've closed the mission. So it remains to be seen what the plan uh, brings and if, it, if that would be a good incentive to bring the Palestinians to the table. The Palestinian cause might be uh, what the Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez says is uh, conflict is an issue that needs multilateralism uh, to solve. But he uh, hinted multiple times throughout this week that uh, multilateralism is under fire precisely when the world needs it the most. Is this directed towards Trump specifically or what does he mean by that and what does he hope to achieve by saying that, Daniel? I think there's a lot of actors on the stage um, this week who do take issue with Trump's whole approach. Trump is very clear in how he thinks countries should govern themselves. Um, he's very clear that you know prosperity and patriotism are his two great ideas, and that a forum like the United Nations just doesn't sit well for him. He sees all sorts of reasons why these. Um, meetings, these these structures aren't really going to um, aid America. And um, Guterres is the symbol of that. Plus, Guterres is someone by his whole background, by his whole career, believes in this constant exchange, in this constant uh, following of, of the international rulebook and, and efforts to build up that rulebook, as does um, Emmanuel Macron, who was very clear saying that to Trump on the occasions that he was in the room with him or giving speeches at the General Assembly this week. And lots of other leaders said similar things. So there is a real contest of ideas between Trump and most of the others. And uh, Trump is basically saying, look after your own people's interests. People want to be governed in light of their own culture and history. And you guys are trying to create a new system that is alien to the human experience. Thanks to Damien McElroy and Joyce Karam for their insights on this special episode recorded from New York. Also, thanks to Kevin Jeffers and Willie Lowry for producing. Subscribe to Beyond the Headlines to receive new episodes each week. You can find us on your preferred podcasting app, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Audioboom. Also, 
Follow along with the latest from the General Assembly and the developments in the Middle East on our website, thenational.ae. I've been your host, Nasr al Thanks for listening and goodbye.